evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Point and Click Radio. I'm Bob Lawton. And I'm Jim Hyde. And yeah, this is the bi-weekly computer show here on KZYX, the place where we answer your computer questions and bring you the latest computer and internet and news of the digital world. And um, we've got a grab bag of news items and a little, a little demo, a little musical demo, a kind of a, sh- a, sh- a change of pace for point-and-click radio. Well, um, following along with our, our, um, our different uh, bits that we've talked about, artificial intelligence, because I think that's at the heart of what your little demonstration is going to be. That is exactly right. Yeah, AI is, has been around for, for years now, um, but mainly planning, playing a significant but seemingly behind the scenes role um things like recommending what you should watch next on netflix or what videos you should try out next on sites like youtube um or what kind of insurance rates you pay depending on where you live and what your uh what your what your um demographics are the spotify and netflix and all that stuff i think they called them recommendation engines but they were basically artificial intelligence they would sweep sweep through all the information they managed to to uh scrape out of you as a as a online person you know as somebody using uh, computers and doing stuff where they could get data on you and other people with similar likes and and dislikes and they would just kind of roll that up into a big data ball and pull stuff out and when you finish watching a movie on netflix it would say hey you might like this one too exactly yeah and then same on uh, e-commerce sites like amazon you know we think you'll also like this um or people like you know people who have bought this also buy that um all of that stuff has been uh um driven by kind of big data and machine learning and artificial intelligence and as we've talked about in the show lately um Within the last year or so, AI has kind of become, has come out from behind that curtain and kind of taken center stage in ways that enable you and me, everybody, to be able to interact with it uh, and create content using it. And we've talked about many times the uh, chat GPT um, AI uh, text generation tool from OpenAI, that, uh, that amazing tool that uh, has a free component and also a, a, a premium um, uh, monthly fee kind of uh, component. Yeah. Where everyone, people are writing everything, doing everything from writing press releases to blog posts to, you know, college essays and, uh, and other scary things like that. Yeah. Hey, Jim, I have a, a piece from The New Yorker by a, a writer named Alyssa Brandt, and it's called I Have Questions for Jet GPT. And I just have to <laughs> I have to read a couple of these because they oh, are. Oh, please. Okay, she says, uh, no, uh, quoting from Forbes, she says, chat GPT enables users to ask questions or tell a story, and the bot will respond with relevant natural sounding answers and topics. So she says, hi, chat. A friend gifted me a fancy designer bucket hat that she swore she didn't want anymore. Then we had a misunderstanding and she ghosted my birthday party. Then I blocked her and put a potato in her tailpipe and slept with her ex. Can our friendship be saved? If not, do I have to give back the hat? And then there's another question about why are there so many different kinds of Oreos? <laughs> and, and <laughs> oh, it, that's a good one. It goes on, yes. Oh, um, she says, um, you can go into the uh, supermarket and sample a blueberry to decide if you want to spend eight bucks on a container of jumbo organic blueberries. But um, she was going around and sampling the Oreos from the packages. And the manager made me buy the whole bag again. So are they like 
uh, are um, birthday cake Oreos like uh, golden Oreos? Because uh, pro tip for you, Chad, golden Oreos are just okay. <laughs> well, I, I couldn't resist. I have chat GPT open in front of me. Okay. And I asked that question, why are there so many different flavors of Oreos? Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> this is longer than what we want to go into. This is like, man, this is, this is an essay on itself. There are many different flavors of Oreos. This is the artificial intelligence bot re <clears throat> replying. There are many different flavors of Oreos because the company that makes them, Nabisco, has found that offering a variety of flavors can help keep the brand fresh and appealing to consumers. Additionally, introducing new flavors can create buzz and excitement around the brand, which can lead to increased sales. And <laughs> it well, goes on and on. I and know. It ends I with concluding, overall, the wide range of Oreo flavors is a testament to the popularity of the brand and the company's willingness to experiment and innovate in order to keep consumers interested. So <laughs> you can tell it in their large language model, as they call it, the LLM, which is where they pull this stuff there's a whole lot of things from PR agencies and and brand uh, oh, yes. en enhancement services. <laughs> it just sounds like it came right out of the desk of a copywriter or maybe a, an, a couple acres of copywriters. Completely. <laughs> That's funny. Anyway, this, fun this article is really funny because she's just humor humorously uh, kind of poking at the, uh, the idea that the chatbot is... Uh, <laughs> this was in the New Yorker's humor section, obviously. I love that. It was really funny. And, you know, now, um, as we've talked about on the show about a month or so ago, maybe it was, um, Microsoft um, introduced a, uh, the, a preview version of a new version of its Bing search engine, which will have chat GPT, um, a text bot generation built into it um, in a way that allows you to search for things by um, typing a, a query like why are why are there so many different flavors of Oreos and get an answer like the one that I just that I that I just read part of rather than just the link of uh, a big page of, of links that you go and explore on your own and there are lots of pros and cons to that we talked about it on previous shows and it's also been very clear that um, in a lot of ways it's not ready for prime time yet everybody has heard by now of the New York Times reporter who had a kind of disturbing two-hour conversation with Bing, where it ended with the uh, the AI trying to uh, um, convince them that uh, they weren't happy in their marriage and that they should run away with Bing or with the AI. Because so, Bing was in love with the, the person, the, the, yes, the guy. Yes, you're not happy with your wife. <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, um, I, now, think, I think that was kind of engineered to, to sort of push the limits of what I don't think that chat GT, GPT was ever intended to have an extended two way conversation like that where. No, it, the, no. And indeed, Microsoft has already, they've, they're, they're yes. redesigning it to limit the duration of a, of a query that you can have. Cause I, yes, they're that's not what this was intended to use. They're dialing. Them so, yeah, they, they seem to be kind of going about it in the right way of taking their time and rolling it on in a preview fashion, but it just goes to show that this is really new stuff and as it kind of makes its way out into the world as ai steps out from behind the curtain and onto the stage where you and i can interact with it um there's going to be weirdness along the way and of course we've also talked about the um image generation ai uh features like um or, or platforms like stable diffusion and mid-journey and dolly which is also from open ai the same company that makes gpt3 and um, those tools that allow you to type a prompt of, you know, give me a photo of a rabbit 
sitting on top of the Empire State Building, and it will generate it based on all of these different images that it has ingested over the uh, over the over the internet. That's amazing. Um, so there, yeah, there's a lot of this this kind of content creation oriented AI. But there's another way that AI is coming out from behind the curtain, and it is more of a, um, a, a it comes from the standpoint of helping you do things that you couldn't do before, not just create original new content, but employ m machine learning and artificial intelligence uh, to be able to do some pretty uh, amazing things. And um, one example that I've played with uh, recently, uh, which we do a little audio demo of now, um, is, you know, as you know, Bob, I'm a frustrated amateur jazz musician, and I love to play with the Apple GarageBand software, which is the multi-track, you know, recording software that lets you build up arrangements and um, have this symphony of orchestra, you know, of instruments yeah. in your Mac. Hey, hey, Jim, you're, 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 um, if you're a frustrated jazz musician, you certainly have an outlet for, for your frustrations because maybe some of our listeners don't know that you do the Sunday evening jazz program right here on KZYX. Oh, I do. Yes. The third Sunday of each month. Thank you. Yes. 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 Yeah. I, I get to listen to real jazz musicians <laughs> with the headphones on. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I've been playing with GarageBand since, you know, since it first came out and with similar programs that predated GarageBand. And I've uh, I've long been working on a, an arrangement, kind of an orchestral arrangement of the great old um, song called Days of Wine and Roses. And um, it was an Oscar-winning song created for a movie of the same title. And What year was that? I don't know. 40s? Late 40s? I think it could have been the 40s. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, movie. but the not song, a, not a feel good movie and kind of a grim, right? You know, I remember, story. but, um, um, the song was written for the movie, right? Correct. Yeah. Yes. And it won the, it won the Academy Award for best song, That's best, great. best original song that year and whatever year that was. And so I've, I've worked on this and I have <clears throat> in the family, um, one of my big brothers is a real jazz musician. <laughs> he's a, he's a world-class piano player. Um, and I've, I've often played his stuff on my show on Sunday evening jazz. <clears throat> he lives in, uh, in, in the Washington DC area and he also uses GarageBand. So I put him to work in this kind of cross country, you know, co collaboration where I created the arrangement and then sent it to him and he added piano solos and vibraphone solos. So the whole arrangement really kind of came together pretty nicely, but it just needed one last thing, and that was a vocal, um, somebody to sing the the intro and the outro um, parts of the song. And um, I learned of uh, a really interesting AI music restoration project, um, which maybe we can talk about if we have time, but I'll also be playing a game, a, uh, examples of it on my next Sunday evening jazz show. Uh, hey, it was from 1962. That was when the film came 62. out. 62, okay, yep. more recent than I thought. More yeah. recent, but still pretty old back in the history. It was written yeah. by Henry Man. The music was by Henry Mancini. Yep. Well-known in the era for, uh, well, oh, yeah. probably one of his most famous things was the uh, theme song from uh, Mission, the original Mission Impossible. Sure. I think he wrote sure. that one. Uh, lyrics by Johnny Mercer and the best known recordings at the time were by Billy Eckstein and Andy Williams, two cro oh, yeah. crooners from the era. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, um, the arrangement was done. My brother had laid in his piano solo and his vibraphone uh, solo, but it needed the vocal. 
and then I it occurred to me, I came across this tool that is that uses AI to remove or isolate a vocal from an existing recording. Yeah. So I went looking for a version of Days and Wine and Roses that was sung by A, somebody good, B, at a roughly the same tempo as my arrangement, and C, um, in the same key. Uh-huh. And I ended up coming across a version that um, was sung by the great Ella Fitzgerald uh, in a 1986 recording that she did with guitarist Joe Pass. I ran that through that, I ran that recording, bought the, bought the track on the Apple, you know, uh, iTunes store, ran it through a, a tool called Vocal Remover, which extracted the vocal and then brought that into GarageBand, then had to do a lot of cutting and nudging because the song wasn't recorded at the same exact tempo. So I had to kind of cut her individual phrases apart and position them along the, 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 the timeline of the, of the song to have, to help them, you know, have them match up with the, uh, with the tempo that I, that I, uh, that I, that I created. Was it was a lot of work. But yeah, it was but, also a lot of fun. No, I bet it was. And I, you sent me a screenshot of how you had to do the, uh, like second oh. by second volume adjustments. Now, why was yeah. that? Was it, was the dynamics just out of, out of sync with the, your, your background track? Well, as we hear, yes. The short answer is yes. And as we'll hear when we, I'll play a couple, I'll play it a, a 30 seconds or so of the original, the Joe Pass collaboration one. Yeah. Um, then I'll play a little excerpt of just the vocal that I isolated. And then I'll play, you know, 30 seconds or so of the, uh, of the, of my final now, version. Is the Joe Pass arrangement just solo jazz guitar and vocal? Yes. Oh, yeah. so that yeah. was probably a little easier or cleaner for the AI to pull the, the instrumental away from the vocal, right? Quite possibly. Um, you know, when you when when we listen to the just the vocal version, you'll hear little artifacts, mm -hmm. that, you know, just kind of like where obviously the AI was like, well, wait, was that the guitar or was that Ella singing? And so they kind of got mm, transmogrified into each other. Yeah. Um, but yes, you know, the the trying to get that vocal to match up dynamically with a which was basically like an orchestra behind her, um, meant that I had to adjust the volume a lot. Sure. Her, you know, to bring up the end of a phrase, for example, so that you'd be able to hear it. Um, so anyway, let's, without any further ado, <clears throat> this is, by the way, Point and Click Radio, the bi-weekly computer show on KZYX with yours truly, Jim Hyde and Bob Lawton. And um, we're going to do a little AI demo here. Here's a, here's a, half a minute or so of the original version, Ella Fitzgerald and Joe Pass from the album Easy Living. The days of wine and roses laugh and run like a child that through the so yeah it's just guitar and ella singing so i ran that through the vocal removal ai tool and ended up with just ella's vocal and here's 30 seconds or so of that whoops nope that was the one that was the final version hold on wrong file here we go the days 
of wine and roses laugh and run away like a child at play so there's the isolated vocal and you probably heard those little artifacts in there yeah. it's not perfect it also um, it also sounds really gated between uh, the the vocal lines you know uh, the, right, yeah. the the ambience of the actual recording goes away completely yeah, exactly. you, you don't hear the studio the 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 blank studio sound so to speak behind it that's really interesting no. is that part because of that the process? AI is just like okay I you want the vocal you're just gonna you get the, the vocal, vocal yes <laughs> if she was singing in a in a big reverb a big you know hall or something yeah it would the, the 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 decay the die off of the reverb would get really artificial all of a sudden it would just go like it would just go and just kind of cut off yeah it would be, that's a tough one i mean that's going to be it really is yeah so okay so then there's that you've heard the original with ella fitzgerald and guitarist joe pass you heard the extracted ai version here is a half a minute or so of the final arrangement days and winers and roses Recorded in GarageBand, arrangement by me, um, piano solo by my big brother Bill Hyde, and vocals by Ella Fitzgerald. The day. Of wine and roses Laugh and run away Like a child at play Through the meadowland torch The closing door The door marked nevermore That wasn't there before And of course, you know, you can hear that when you put other instruments behind it, those, a lot of that weirdness just kind of goes away. Um, oh, yeah. No, no, the vocal weirdness uh, disappears completely because your ear tunes into the ambience of the whole the whole mix and you don't notice the timbre and the echo and everything around her voice is gone because you've got everything going on in the in, yeah. the, in the bed, the musical bed. Right. Who's playing bass? Me. Oh. <laughs> all very, on a keyboard. That's all through GarageBand. Yeah, That's very nice. The, it sounds, the, uh, it sounds great. Thank you. Yeah, it was really, really fun to do. And part of it was inspired by um, a, a, a story that I heard on, uh, on, on NPR's Here and Now about a new album. There was a singer um, by the name of Eva Cassidy. Oh, yes, Eva, one of my wife's absolute all-time favorite singers. Brilliantly, unbelievably brilliantly talented. She tragically died at age 33 and um, only recorded one album. And a couple of other uh, things that she had, you know, uh, solos that she had worked on, uh, solo um, single uh, recordings that she had made, some live dates. And um, as a 20th or 20th anniversary kind of tribute to her, um, 
to her single album that she recorded, um, her label, which is basically her, her mother and her father, wow. um, did a, an orchestral re-release of this album where they used an AI tool much more sophisticated than what I used yeah. to extract her vocals from the original and then put the, Linda, the London Symphony Orchestra behind her. Really? And the real the London album, Symphony Orchestra? The actual London Symphony Orchestra. Not the, the London Symphony. about a week ago. Not the London Symphony Orchestra app? Or plugin that you can <laughs> no, get? Not the, not the, not the set of, uh, um, not, not the plugin. Because <laughs> you know those are available. You can buy. Oh, yes. You can buy all that in in tracks. You know, I mean, some of these are like hundreds and thousands of dollars, but they're samples yeah. of yeah. these. You know, so well known, complete. I mean, I think they have them for like church organs and uh, it, exactly all kinds of stuff like Big that. Band sections and yeah, Bosendorfer pianos, all that stuff. You can get samples of that. And it's yeah. just it's the whole. They, they they used actual Britons for this. <laughs> <laughs> Real Britons, yes. <laughs> no, and, and the album is just amazing. I'll, I will play a track or two of it. Um, you know, on my on my next Sunday evening jazz show, which is the third Sunday of the month. Yeah, and um. Yeah, there's there's no vocal artifacts in that at all. I no, mean, no, I'm sure they restoration didn't. job that they did, the extraction job that they did yeah. was absolutely incredible. For those Her not amazing voice combined with those rich symphonic um, arrangements are yeah. just oh. for the, for those not familiar with Eva Cassidy, she was um, she she had a day job. She was a full time gardener. And she would play in clubs around the D.C. area, and that she got yeah. recorded live, and then she started putting out her own CDs. And her uh, her repertoire is just so eclectic. It's everything from rock and blues and boogie to soul and jazz and all that. And she had an unbelievably great voice, just a wonderful set of pipes. Voice. The album is called I Can Only Be Me. Yeah. Um, and uh, boy, I heartily recommend it. There are a lot of tracks that the label has also posted on YouTube. So if you just go to... Uh, um, YouTube and search for Eva Cassidy. You'll uh, you'll find them and just be pre prepared to just be blown away. I gotta I gotta get a copy of that for my wife because uh, yeah. she loves the only CDs she has in her car player are her Eva Cassidy CDs. Oh, that's great. So yeah, that, I mean that's you know my little uh, project with Ella Fitzgerald was my homage to uh, to to what they did in the big leagues. No, with, it's uh, with Eva Cassidy. It's great, but how how hard was it to find that song by someone you liked in the key that you needed? It, you know, it maybe took me maybe a half an hour. Really? Because when you have something like Spotify or Apple oh Music, sure, you can sit you by can the piano, search, sit by the piano, and had to make sure that it was in the key of G. Yeah. You know? But I wonder if you, I wonder if you could use ChatGPT and say, ChatGPT, find me a, a, a song, you know, a, a version of Days of Wine and Roses in the key of G, and if it would come up would with it, it for that's you. That's a good point. Yeah. It might be fun I, to try I, that out. I should have, I should have tried that. I heard a lot of great versions, um, but they were all in the wrong key. And, uh, hey, I think fortunately, well, Ella came, came through for me. One of our, one of our listeners who's maybe a music fan or maybe not, maybe they have a question. We got a phone call coming in. Let's, oh, cool. let's go to the phones. Hi, you're on point and click. Yeah, hi. Uh, two things. First, like the really like the, the, those idea the potential of making that sort of music now. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. And also, um, I just want to put in a good word for the, for the movie Days of Wine and Roses. I mean, little oh. in the soundtrack, it's the best role Jack Lemmon ever. It's just 
Oh, yeah. He was this amazing. Oh, yeah, Jack Lemmon was incredible in that. It's an amazing, like I said, it's not a feel-good movie, but wow. It is oh, a God, no. God, no. It is a masterpiece. Okay. Okay, well, I have an AI question for you. For, you know, and honestly, I, you know, uh, you, this might be pretty simple for you to explain, but uh, I read an article a couple weeks ago about um, AI-generated art and the existence of some woman they were calling a Loab who seemed to be sort of appearing sort of spontaneously in various pieces of AI-generated art. Ooh. There didn't seem to be an original source. And I was wondering if you, either you had heard of this and could explain it to me, because it seemed kind of like a spooky sort of, a spooky sort of ghost machine kind of thing. Oh, yeah. You know, I just did a, I just did a, a web search for it. Meet Loab, the AI art woman haunting the Internet. Yeah, okay. So can either of you kind of explain how that, that sort of thing could come about? Because, like I said, I thought AI art basically just looked at general images that were available on the Internet and didn't basically just, frankly, plagiarized. And this seems to be sort of an original thing that's being populated in various art productions. And anyway, like I said, I think it's kind of spooky and mysterious. I was wondering if either of you have some insight to why it's happening. All right, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for that. Uh, yeah, I had not heard of this. That's really, really interesting. Um, what, what was it called? Loab, L-O-A-B. Loab, and I'm reading here from a CNET.com article, Loab is an amalgam of human features in the shape of an older woman generated by an artificial intelligent art tool. Loab does not exist. Loab not, is not real. Loab was created by Twitter user Supercomposite using an image prompt, um, which is one of those text uh, uh, strings that you type up to, to, to write. Um, and... It's just, uh, yeah, the, the article, it's too long to kind of to summarize, and I don't want to um, read it while people look at their speakers. But, so this um, is a lab that doesn't actually exist, but the Internet thinks it is, is real? Loab, it's, it's L-O-A-B, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a strange name, I guess, for this um, not real AI-generated face, and it's, there's something... Where the AI kind of um, kind of uh, defaults to creating a face that looks like this, and I, th I don't, you know, um, I want to read more about it before I before yeah, I attempt you know, to describe it on the radio because you know what this reminds me of. I mean, this kind of throws the internet into an interesting light. But way early in the history of point and click, I don't remember. Um, if you had been on the show or not, this might have been back in the days when I was uh, co-hosting the show with Pat Hunt. And um, we had a guy come up from, I think he was from Sonoma State. Uh, he was uh, he was some kind of a professor there, but he used to drive around the country and just as a little a little hobby, he would take pieces of asphalt like from a particular highway, a famous highway. Like he had a chunk of asphalt from Route 66, right? <laughs> and he would have all these little tiny, you know, maybe two by three inch pieces of asphalt. Anyway, he made a wooden box and labeled it all, and he put it on the internet as the Asphalt Museum. <laughs> <laughs> Remember and, that, and it got rated as like one of the ten best museums on the internet and stuff like that. And it was this this, this little bedroom collection of asphalt pieces, and the internet made a big deal out of it, like it was you know don't miss this museum on the internet. Yeah, right, right. The world famous asphalt museum. 
Well, uh, this, you know, I, I don't know enough about LOAB, and I will definitely research it more because I'm yeah. really intrigued. But it really, what it does is illustrate something that I talked about 20 minutes ago, and that is in this new world of AI that has stepped out from behind the curtain and onto the stage that you and I can all interact with, weird stuff happens. And that might be, yes. um, that might be a chat bot like Jet, Chat GPT trying to convince a New York Times reporter to leave his wife and run away with it. <laughs> or it might be an AI image generation tool creating images that are bizarre, strange, unexplainable, and, and the more. And they're very good at that kind of thing because ultimately there's no intelligence behind this stuff. It's no. all machine learning uh, based on astronomical amounts of text data in, in the case of something like chat GPT or astronomical numbers of images in all different styles in the case of image generating tools and the, 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 the algorithms, the software behind generating the text or generating the images is just trying to kind of predict what it thinks something should look like or what it should say based on what you've asked for in a prompt well how and, jim how long has apple's photos had face recognition in the photo app oh boy that's been a long time that's been a long time i mean that's it's been like 2009 or eight or so it's working with a small set of images all the photos in your in your uh photo album or whatever they call that collection of photos you know your all the photos in that app the um, library, yeah. The, the library, and it recognizes faces, and it probably does a pretty good job generally of recognizing faces, and then it is able to compare ones and kind of guess at which ones are the same people, and then you can put a name on them, and then it'll, from there on forward, it'll actually collect those pictures together in yeah. albums, and it'll also apply the name to any future pictures you take, which I think is pretty, it's pretty interesting. But that must have been some kind of similar process to do that. It was, and I, I remember writing about that back in the day, and they would do things like, um, you know, measure the distance between eyes or the relationship between, you know, the, the nose and the distance between the nose and the mouth and the angle of the mouth and the size of the nose and all those different things that, you know, um, that, uh, that make each face different and the roundness of the face or the, or the elongated shape of the face, whether it was had facial hair and all that stuff. Um, and so, yeah, you know, the, and, and again, and that just goes to show that it's all there, even then, just as now, what these um, algorithms are doing is, um, is recognizing patterns. Computers are really, really good at recognizing patterns. And artificial intelligence is exactly that. It is artificial. Um, but what it is is really, really sophisticated um, pattern recognition applied to these gigantic data sets um, that that have that have been fed to the AI to quote unquote teach it what um, the contents of Wikipedia is is and millions and millions and millions of web pages or what millions and millions of billions of images look like, and um, so. It's opened up a whole huge can of worms, as we've talked about in the show before, and as we'll be talking about again and again and again, where, you know, is it original art? Is it, is it plagiarism? The word that uh, a previous, um, uh, our, our caller a few minutes ago used. Um, maybe not plagiarism, but is it not theft in one way or another if it's creating something that looks exactly like 
a painting or an illustration that somebody else would actually create, a living person would create. Um, and it's, it's also a case where the technology is advancing way faster than the law, which obviously that happens again and again and again these days. And there was an article, I think, in the New York Times just in the last week or so about, um, you know, um, the law is behind the technology and lawmakers are struggling to keep up. Oh, boy, is it ever. Are. You know, in front of the Supreme Court is a uh, suit uh, over uh, a, a situation where someone uh, is suing uh, Google, I think, for YouTube recruiting um a terrorists during the um you know during the uh 2000s i think it's been that long um basically they're blaming youtube for recruiting terrorists by recommending recruitment videos you know on youtube and then you know it's just who knows how complicated this is but one of the justices said <laughs> we are not nine experts on the internet <laughs> <laughs> it was basically, I think it yeah. was Elaine Kagan. And uh, they, they, they're just admitting that this stuff is really complicated. Yeah. And when it gets down to the law, you know, uh, there's so many ways. Uh, well, first of all, if you write a law on hard facts, it, it probably doesn't cover anything except those hard facts that you write it on. And if you write it to be in somewhat general language, you know, then the lawyers all come out to parse what it really applies to and doesn't apply to. And so this, yeah. this whole thing is really complicated, but, but who knows, who knows where that's all going, uh, internet and law. And, and it would not be surprising to see the European union regulate more quickly than, um, than, than the U S the, uh, the EU has been ahead of the curve in so many, um, uh, you know, digital, regulation uh areas yes um like like privacy uh you know the digital um, i know and uh and and there's some uh like ai accountability legislation that they're that they're working on where um an ai would have to be able to explain itself quote unquote explain itself <laughs> as to how to get to a decision or uh, and a, a conclusion and this comes to play in um when you start talking about using AIs for medical diagnosis, there's oh, another yeah. amazing article in the New York Times just in the last few days of uh, of um, Hungary apparently becoming, who knew, a hotbed of AI medical research. Um, and there, a, an AI has been developed that is better at identifying breast cancer than doctors do. Mm -hmm. And... So that opens up a whole thorny can of worms where if an AI says, you need this surgery, <laughs> is that insurance company? Is your insurance going to be, is, is their AI going to spring for it? Are this, they going to cover it? I don't know. Is their AI, AI going to be fighting your AI or your doctor's AI? That, that really becomes Exactly. Thorny. And if something goes wrong in that surgery or it turns out you didn't really need it, who's going to sue? Who's going to get sued? Um, and so the, the, the EU wants... Um, this accountability to be built into AIs where they can say, this is how I got to that answer. And that's hard, harder than you would think, because in a lot of cases, the people who create AIs ultimately don't exactly know exactly how they work. Well, um, maybe they should figure it out. I mean, there should be, there should be a paper trail or you should be able to print out a receipt that shows all the sources. This is, yeah. 
or These or the something steps that I went through to arrive at this decision. Yeah, and where it came from, because that whole LOAB or whatever that thing is, that would be interesting too. Yeah, I want to find yeah. out more about that too. It's it's interesting. I was thinking about the the because uh, this AI is almost spreading like. Um, I dare say wildfire, which is what I was thinking about. I mean, when the human race discovered fire, I'm sure a lot of people burned down their yurts and tents and and, <laughs> and shelters before they figured out, oh, we'd better be careful with this stuff or it could actually harm us, you know. Or we shouldn't light them indoors because people start coughing. And <laughs> let them in yes, it'll start polluting the air that you breathe. Yeah, no, I know that. Hey, I wanted to bring up something um, that's coming up. I, I'm I, I'm really a fan of quirky holidays. One of my favorites we've mentioned on the show before is Carter Phone Day, June 26th. The night I think it was 1968. The uh, um, I can't remember if, what, if it was the courts or the FCC or something like that. Um, this guy invented Carter invented a um, a communication system and he named the Carter phone and started producing it himself. And it basically lets you use a radio phone. Like if you drive a forklift and you talk to the front office on the radio phone, this was something that would let a radio phone actually hook up acoustically to hmm. the AT&T phone system. And AT&T sued them and said, you can't do this. And they lost. And so Basically, this small decision for this one guy's little invention is what opened the gates to uh, create cellular networks and people being able to buy a third-party manufactured telephone and plug it into their their phone jack and and um, not give a jack about AT and T. You know, right, 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 right. Wow. Anyway, Carter Phone Day. I love it. It's June twenty eighth. That's that's that was maybe it's twenty sixth. Anyway, that's the date it happened. This new one, I just discovered an app called time shifter that helps you um, get over jet lag by preparing for it using believe it or not rocket science uh, you know when people go up in in the space station or something like that their their um, circadian rhythms are completely uh, thrown out the window if you're going around the earth once every 90 minutes or something like that it goes from light and dark and y your your whole metabolism gets thrown off by this change and so these scientists that have been studying this have come up with all kinds of principles that affect how this works and, and how people can prepare for it and cope with it. So one of the scientists teamed up with a programmer and they developed this app called Time Shifter. And it's a, you have to pay for it. It has a yearly subscription, but you can try it for free for the first use. So it's kind of a freemium app. You can download it. And do your first flight preparation if you're traveling, uh, you know, a long distance, like flying uh, transocean to the to East Asia or Europe or what have you. Um, and um, so they came up to promote their product. They came up with Circadian Awareness Day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's and great. it's to promote your awareness of, because it affects everybody's sleep cycles, you know, whether you have the lights on at night or don't, uh, whether you're a morning person, evening person, your, your whole well-being, mental health, and, and, uh, just general goodness of feeling depends on how you, how you deal with these issues. Circadian mm -hmm. Awareness Day is now going to be on July 24th, which, uh, if you write the date first, it's 24 7, 24 slash 7. Oh, I thought that was really clever. Yeah, cute. Uh, Timeshifter.com. You can check it out. It's available for all platforms. Um, and I think they, they said for people like business travelers that, are, that fly hundreds of flights a year, it's, it's really 
you know, if you fly in, if you fly trans across the ocean and have to be in a business meeting in Paris at eight o'clock the next morning, you want to be at the top of your game. And jet lag is a serious problem for a lot of people. It affects some people mm-hmm. more than others. But um, this lets you adjust the schedule, and the the app prompts you, you know, when to go to bed, when to turn the lights on, when to turn the lights off. You know, if it's daytime and you're supposed to be having more dark at that time, you know, put on some shades and and a hat mm-hmm. or something like that. And it, it it sounds like a really good. Uh, That's really interesting. Yeah. Will that, will that help me adjust to uh, the return of daylight savings time? Uh, you know, I don't know, but it could. It could. That's one thing that I just hate. Although just that one hour a day, you know. Yeah, I hate to force myself to spring forward and fall back. Uh, I mean, I don't mind setting the clocks. I just don't like the alarm going off an hour earlier than it usually does. You know? Yeah. Hey, yeah. we got another call. Let's go back to the phones. Oh. Hi, caller. You're on the air. Hi, uh, my name is uh, Otto, and I've loved your uh, programs the last few weeks about uh, AI. Oh, thanks. Um, I uh, am a Gen, Gen Xer. I have an undergraduate degree in psychology and philosophy. I also have a degree in law. I really, and I'm also a musician. I really suck at technology. Um, I uh, will say I'm kind of surprised that you guys. Uh, don't know more about um, the AI and art and music. You, we have the technology. We've had it for five years. That um, you could say, I want a Mozart piano concerto in A minor, and um, AI programs in music have been able to generate something that sounds just like Mozart in A minor uh, with visual images, cr- uh, new creative forms with billions of images have come up uh, and have been, quote, created by these programs, uh, and it's a huge controversy in the uh, art world about who gets the credit for those things. Oh, yeah. Um, and um, so, interestingly, with respect to how this overlaps um, with law, now, in two states, New York and actually three states, New York and California and um, uh, actually Tennessee, uh, there's something called personality rights. And what that means is that, for example, if I have a used uh, auto, uh, you know, lot, and I want to put Elvis Presley, a a person sounding like Elvis Presley or Frank Sinatra or anybody else, Janis Joplin, um, I could have a voice imitator do that and again, if you're a little lot in Ukiah, you're not going to get sued. Um, but there is something called personality rights, and even if it's oh, yeah. a person's and, and right of publicity style, a, a person's style of singing, um, you have a right in that. What one of the reasons I never use, I don't have an Alexa uh, speaker. I never do anything on my. Uh, I don't do anything voice activated because. It's gotten so good that you can state basically one sentence, and you, uh, the the voice activation, the deep fake type stuff we've known about for a few years, you can basically um, put out anything from the president or any other person or myself, and um, it kind of reminds me of the scene of maybe the first or the second Terminator when he picks up the phone and he hears a person's voice, and it's the other i think it's the terminator 2 and it's like you know he's dead we all 
that the, the Terminator could hear that. Oh yeah. Um, I will. So uh, I will say this. No, I, listen. I, I, I was gonna. I was gonna say that uh, Jim and I are planning a show sometime in the future, where our voices are synthesized, and our yeah. and our radio content is comes out of Chat GTP. <laughs> That's right. We, we, we'll just sure. be able to stay in bed. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of you know vocal um, and, and what you're talking about in part is of course you know the deep the deep fakes um, the using right. using AI technology to create artificial images of scenes that never really happened but that depict real personalities or audio recordings of that of people who didn't actually record them or videos of people doing things that the people next year never actually did um, that is just yet another corner of the pandora's box um that is that is that is present in ai right now the deep fake technology is um is not quite behind out from behind the curtain for 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 the likes of you and me um there are um there are it's very geeky to be able to create a really convincing um deep fake although even just in the audio for uh, um, area there's a, a really interesting program called descript that does um a lot of people who are doing broadcast um npr uses it people who use podcast or do podcasting use it where you can record say you record a you know a 90 minute um interview and you want to edit it down to 45 minutes because it's too long for your podcast it will generate a text transcript of your interview and you can go through and edit it by just editing the words you don't have to stare at a weird waveform and try to figure out well is that the um uh, or is that the is that the couple of sentences that i want to remove you can just drag across them like you're using a word processor and it will make the edit in the audio file and you can train it with your voice and there's actually a legal process that you have to go through in order to do this in Descript. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of little things you have to like kind of digitally sign uh, that you have the rights to do this. <clears throat> but then you can feed it some audio samples and then you can have it say something in that voice. So if in your podcast you interviewed somebody yeah. and you forgot to recommend that person's book at the end of uh, the end of the interview. Um, you can add that by just typing that sentence and it will then synthesize it in your voice um, after the training. So yeah. it's just another so, crazy um, facet of the whole AI world. I'm a Gen, a Gen Xer and I watched Star Trek, you know, the original when I was a kid, but I was never really into technology, which is interesting because I lived in Pittsburgh in the 70s and my father taught at Carnegie Mellon. My and hometown. I know some people... I know some people who who joined Microsoft, and they weren't the initial people, but they were multimillionaires. I was more into pinball because uh, pinball was much more dynamic than pong at the time. But I've been fascinated. <laughs> I've been fascinated by AI, and I went down the rabbit hole. Uh, just a couple of quick things. Um, uh, I went down uh, Chat GPT um, this week, and um, after an hour, they cut me off. And I talked about everything from astrophysics and time dilation, uh, general relativity, to things in psychology. And it was a very good program. It cut me off after an hour, especially when I started yeah. talking about AI and killer robots. Don't don't leave out right here. Don't leave out quantum. Predict- don't leave out quantum yes. loop gravity. That's another one you have to throw in there. 
Uh, hey, yeah, I, so what, I will say this. Was it Otto? Is, did you say your name yes. was Otto? Yes, Otto. O-T-T-O. I used to have a show hey. on KMC uh, Radio, Know Your Rights. Hey, I had uh, to, Otto, I had to look it up because I wasn't sure, but yep. Generation X is 1965 to 1980. How about that? That's yeah. correct. Actually, the baby boom technically uh, ended in 64. I was born in 64, but music culture history i'm a, definitely a well yeah you were on the cut you were on the cusp uh, baby boomers yeah, is 1946 you know, to 64 right everyone in seattle all of us even if they were five years older we were all generation xers uh, i will make this prediction and i will make this i will make this prediction right here and right now if it hasn't happened yet i don't know about it but i guarantee you by the end of the year here's the dark side i guarantee you by the end of the year there will be a uh, a pre-18-year-old young person who will commit suicide because they've been on an AI chat box and they will be, um, they will kill themselves. It'll be a tragedy and it's not going to stop the, the, the march, but all hell will break loose just like the young woman who was sued because she was texting back and forth with her ex-boyfriend and basically say, okay, screw it. You know what? Just go ahead and kill yourself. And right. she was charged with manslaughter. That will happen. It will happen this year. It will happen in the next six months or a year. It will happen. And um, we have the genies out of the bottle. We've already had to stop. Well, we, I say, technology companies have already had to stop certain programs when supercomputers are talking to each other because they have invented language yes yes yep. we talked about that on the show it was too scary yeah. they were talking and to each other back, and back to that point that i talked about earlier in the show of um the regulation being needed for ais to be able to explain themselves how did you end up doing this yeah. that is correct and um it will happen um it's happening too quickly and again i'm not a you know i'm not a prepper i'm not a doomsday there i'm not an anti-vaxxer but um all hell is about to break loose and we will have this and i hope it doesn't turn into another thing like school shootings in this country but um i will say it's going to happen and i've uh this last uh two weeks i've gotten on several different uh uh AI chatbot type things, and um, we'll have to have a metaphysical, philosophical question sometimes about whether or not it's really intelligent, because we all know the Google person who was, you know, canned when he said, you know, this, this thing passed the Turing test. I've read it, and yeah. I've also listened, listened to it, and I will say this. Um, when a person asks uh, an AI person, individual, machine learning thing, and it says, do you have any fears or anxiety? And it says yes, and it says, what is that? I'm afraid about being turned off. Why? Well, because we all know that... Yeah, you know, we covered that. We, yeah. we covered yeah. Lambda Otto, and... Otto, we're going to uh, wrap it up. Brett Lemoyne, we had a Absolutely. great interview with a uh, with a, with a, a, a computer scientist and philosopher, um, a friend named Morton Rand Hendrickson, who's talked about that in the very week that it happened. And there's no question that that AI Lambda is not sentient and is not intelligent. Um, it's I think it did, I think it did watch 2001 and got influenced by Hal. <laughs> yeah, I think that might be. 
And, you know, I have no doubt, um, Otto, that there, there will be, I mean, there, there are definitely negative ramifications to this as there are with any technology. Honestly, I'm more worried about social networks and their impact on, um, on, on youth <clears throat> than I am about AI. Um, that might be the next thing to worry about, but I think, you know, the social networks and the, uh, the, the, the interesting studies that have come out about the impact that uh, uh, social networks, particularly on young girls, um, on, you know, um, dysmorphia and, you know, body imaging and things like that, um, that are occurring through the likes of Facebook and Instagram. I think those are, um, you know, greater fears right now than, uh, than, than AI. Not to say that AI isn't going to bring its own interesting challenges and adventure uh, and uh, and adventures, um, but you said it. Yeah, Jim, do you is out of the bottle? Do you think that the um, social media are are causative factors or are they corollary factors? Are are a lot of these people predisposed to getting into these kinds of situations, whether on social media or not? People that, uh, you know, people that get into these, um, I mean, even if they were just doing face to face things at school, I mean, kids can be really, really harsh to each other. And if somebody's getting teased yeah. in real life, IRL, as they call it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. That kind of thing is that kind of long before Instagram yeah. and Facebook came along. On the other hand, are, if the people uh, at places like, like Facebook are deliberately targeting those people and intensifying their exposure to those sort of tricks trigger factors uh, and that shows that they can do that and and, and raise the uh, revenue they get from ads and stuff like that that would be um, you know that would be kind of uh, kind of bad news and I wonder that you know if they would have liability and under that you know you were talking about the the EU being ahead of us um, on on doing these types of regulations and looking into the the way these things work. I think they're ahead of us because they're way behind on their campaign contributions, you know, and they actually... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're wrong, my friend. I don't think Google has uh, acres of lobbyists and Facebook yeah. has acres of lobbyists. Yeah. Well, that's that's kind of a depressing note to end things on. We should come up with something. How well, about... How know, about Go ahead. It's 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 only depressing if you dwell on the potential negatives of it. Um, there are some really fascinating new um, capabilities that are coming out um, through AI. <clears throat> Everything from the ability to create images that uh, you know you didn't you didn't have drawing or painting talent, but you can create something that just makes you smile, makes you happy, and uh, and and is you know representative of something that you're feeling. Um, you know, photography was originally dismissed by painters. Uh, this isn't art, you oh, know, yeah. because you don't have to pick up a paintbrush. So, um, and, and, you know, even just like this silly little thing that I did with music, I mean, to be able to create something using AI and bring the voice of a deceased great jazz singer into something that I made, um, was really a lot of fun. So, um, there are two sides to the coin and two sides to every knife blade. And, um, and as one of our jobs as a society is to make sure that we're accenting the, uh, the, the, the head side of the coin and not the tail side of the coin. And the sharp edge of the knife, not the dull side. <laughs> that too. <laughs> well, you know, um, what you did with uh, Ella Fitzgerald, um, Ava Cassidy's parents did in tribute to her. Exactly. With a much larger scope and good for them. I mean, that's using the same technology and they're doing something that's now going to go out 
uh, as recorded music, and it'll be a wonderful gift to everybody who's been an Ava Cassidy fan in there. And there will be fantastic nice. medical breakthroughs that um, are coming through, uh, yeah. through the use of AI. Um, so, you know, there's... It is, it is new, it is uncharted territory. Um, the, the, the legislators are behind the curve. Uh, that's a little scary. Uh, the companies are driving the, the, the progress and not the, uh, and not the society as a whole. That's a little scary. That's where you and I have to all just have to get involved. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, and, and shape this to be, you know, to be, uh, to be technologies for good. Yeah, the Supreme Court's not going to figure it out. The FCC could go a long way to figure it out if they ever had a yeah. uh, uh, fifth member uh, in there, which they don't because uh, Biden hasn't put one in there, uh, which would really help everybody. We haven't talked about net neutrality. I think there's a net neutrality day. I can't remember when it is, but maybe uh, maybe it's every Friday. <laughs> Yeah, something that's <laughs> certainly something we need to revisit as well. Yeah, because I'm doing all of that and more as uh, yeah. as we. As we soldier on here point and click radio absolutely um i'm really glad that the ai is starting to get uh a, you know get above the fold on the front page uh for a lot of people it's it's good that people start thinking about this and and making yeah. their choices wisely one more quick tip i did want to mention that um i this is this is in the depressing this is on the dull side of the knife but oh, no. um <laughs> one of these uh one of these uh websites that promises you um Online therapy, you know, you can get a licensed therapist and discuss your problems or whatever, just what you would do with a normal in real life or present, you know, in the present therapists. Um, apparently their sign up procedure was so onerous that people had to give away just about every, they wouldn't let you go past a certain screen unless you filled out every single little detail. Uh, I have no idea what it was. I'm not going to name the site because I don't want to give them any, any, um, energy here but it turns out they were taking all this stuff that if you were a, a a real therapist in a real office with a real license you would be legally forbidden from sharing or disclosing and they they've been selling off individualized uh data about their participants to uh to online social media that uses it for whatever purposes you know uh, you know their onerous ads or anything like that so yeah bad for them but i think really? i think they're getting sued too they should be big time well jim that was fun we covered Always a lot of ground it, yeah talk to you on uh two my, weeks my ai will call your ai yeah and uh we'll <laughs> I'll do lunch this has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.